welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. The scripture this day is from Mark chapter 4, verses 30 through 34. It is a parable that is sandwiched in the midst of many. It is sort of a, actually not a parable as much as a teaching of Jesus that we need to hear, but it fits in a larger context. I invite you to follow along as you're able and remain standing for the Word of God. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us join together in prayer. Oh God, may your spirit stand between me and your people, so the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we gather, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart this day standing on the shoulders of those who've gone ahead and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Well, I'm so proud to see so many of you here today, given where I think the attention of a lot of you was, like mine last night. And in rather sort of amped up and wired up about a successful run in a World Series, it's hard to immediately wind down automatically. We kept our 20-month-old grandson last night. Did you know that two-year-olds do not recognize daylight savings time? <laughs> Dogs and grandkids, they don't care. They get up. So I'm just glad to say that he, he calls me Papa because he can't say Grandpa. And he calls my wife, Sean, weenie, because he can't say Grammy. So at 4.14 a.m. this morning, he wasn't calling for me, so I didn't get up. He was, weenie, weenie. So I, he didn't want me. He wants you. It's amazing how much that small child changes our life. It's amazing how much God's kingdom can grow and become from such small beginnings. And so when we hear this text of Jesus, we don't lean into a literalism to think that actually the mustard seed is the smallest because it actually is not the smallest seed. We can look at Luke chapter 21 verse 38 as Luke records Jesus saying, all the people came to Jesus. Well, did they really all come to Jesus? No. So it's not a literalism. It's not a strict reading. It's an understanding that they're communicating what's happening. And Jesus is saying, look at the contrast between the small aspect of the mustard seed. And everybody would have understood how small the mustard seed is. But folks would have also understood the difference between the size of the mustard seed 
and the size of what it grows into. And this is what is being communicated to us from Jesus. That God's kingdom work cannot be contained in understanding what it will become only by understanding its beginning. Listen to the text as a whole. How did this story of God's salvation all begin? It was in a place called Bethlehem. And think All the aspects of how it wasn't a glorious kingly arrival with trumpets sounding. It was a humble birth in a manger. We think of it as a wooden structure. We put out the creches. It's more like a cave. And yes, he was surrounded by the animals. A humble beginning that changed everything in the world. We should never confuse what God can do in the future if we only evaluate the challenge that is in the present. But when we look to the past, that's where we find God's faithfulness. In his book, Bodies in in Motion and at Rest, Thomas Lynch, who is a small town funeral director and poet, now that's a combination, isn't it? He's a small town funeral director, but he's also a brilliant poet. He writes about the delicate job of managing what it's like to handle the passing of so many of his neighbors. He says in his introductory to this book, a purse made of words. Poems are the purse made of words to keep the treasures of it in. A poem is a purse made of words to keep the treasures of it in. If we take that imagery that he's got, all saints this day is the purse made of memories collectively to keep the treasures of those that we love that have passed alive and present in our hearts. Even as I preach this day, I've told you every year, this is my father's stole. He got it at St. Peter Galican too, from the nuns who were there in Jerusalem. And when he passed, I got his stoles. And on every All Saints Sunday, I wear his stole because it reminds me that I'm clothed in a heritage, not only of the love of God that is with me, but for all those who poured into my life and made me who I am. People who bound me up and encouraged me when I was broken. People who set me on the right path. I can't tell you how many times there were women at Floral Heights United Methodist Church who would grab my ear as the preacher's kid. And they would say, you've been baptized, act like it. I had a host of parents that helped raise me, people who encouraged me. And each of us, each of us is a result, not only what God has done in our lives, but the way in which those people have been the gentle nudge to help us walk the faithful path of Christ, to see Christ in the midst of the world, to give our lives to Christ, to model what it looks like to fully surrender your life to Christ. That's what we celebrate this day. And we read these names in the context of communion because we are reminded that there is a time that we will gather to feast. And as Revelation chapter 21 says, we will all be gathered in a place where there is no tear and there is no crying. There is nothing but rejoicing. I heard it said years ago that we celebrate All Saints Day because there's something powerful about the durability of the saints. I love that imagery, the durability of the saints. And while you and I no doubt face challenges, even in the midst of our own church and community, it pales in comparison to the historical sacrifices that have been made to bring us the church and the scriptures that we have. And we should look back over our shoulder. As a professor at um, 
Hendricks College once said, we are people of hope. And the only reason we have hope for the future is because we can remember God's faithfulness in the past. So Jesus gathered the disciples together, this band of people, and everybody was looking around and they were all probably wondering, what is this going to become? And if they made the assumption that the qualifications of those that Jesus gathered around him, this ragtag group of people in an entirely patriarchal society to welcome women into the fold, to have them be a part, there were critics of that, no doubt, as well. And if we only took the lens of criticizing what we think could be accomplished from what we see, we would miss what God is doing for he does great things from small beginnings. We're celebrating many saints in the life of the church this day. Sadly, this past week has been um, a season of many deaths. Yesterday, I had the privilege to uh, preside over the service for Janet Strauss. Uh, Janet was a member here for years. She was um, an ardent teacher of the Bible. She was a well-sought-after teacher. Every time we visit her, when we would say hello, whether it would be Clint, Stacy, or myself, or Jeremy, her words would always flow with a scripture. She had psalms memorized in her heart. She knew that passage from Job chapter 25 so clearly, I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand again on earth. I can't tell you how many times I walked into her and she's in hospice care and she said, oh, I know that my Redeemer liveth. What a powerful inspiration she was in her death, in hospice her last communications that could be understood was telling her nurse about the love of Jesus. That's the kind of durability we speak of. And I wish I could go through in all of these 30 names and carve out a section to say, look at the faithfulness of God in this heart. Look at the faithfulness of God in this passion. Look at the faithfulness of God in the midst of these struggles. But every single name represents a path of faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness. But I lift Janet's name because it is a funeral that I have most recently done. And she wrote a letter to her loved ones that I'm about to read to you in closing. Because you are a part of a church family. And I want to encourage you to think about this. Maybe we all ought to think about writing this kind of legacy letter to our loved ones about what we hope for them. So this is what one of the saints we celebrate today, this is what Janet said. I wish to encourage my loved ones to trust and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am at this moment in the presence of God having received the reward by grace through faith in the finished work of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. I prayed throughout my lifetime that as we were a family in the world, we would all find each other among God's forever family. Don't you love that? God's forever family. I encourage you all to keep faith in your doubts. Stand firm in the Lord and be strong in the strength of his might. Walk by faith, not by sight. Be lights in the world's darkness and examples of humility, always desiring to be faithful to God and his holy word. And by your teaching and example, may your families know how to be 
and how to do the same. How to be and how to do the same. So Stacy was right last week, folks. You need to be lizards, not frogs. And if you don't have a clue what that means, just nod your head and everybody else will think you were in church at the other service today. If you need to understand its context, well, you're going to have to go back on the web and read and listen to Stacy's sermon last week. Folks, we gather in this moment to encourage and comfort our hearts. We gather in this moment to remember the faithfulness of God so magnificently demonstrated in those who have finished the course of their faith and live what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. As he knew he was about to be executed, he said this, I'm about to be poured out as a drink offering, but I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. I've fought the good fight. That's what we celebrate today. A God who cries with us in our tears, rejoices with us in our moments of joy, and says, I love you with an everlasting love until I will love you forever in your home. Let us pray together. God, we give you thanks for the gift of being created in such a way that we can remember and recall these moments of faithfulness in the lives of your disciples that we'll mention in a moment. We're thankful for the words of your scripture that guide and nurture our hearts. Forgive us for the ways in which we see through our limited eyes and assume that we know what you can do from small beginnings and allow us to trust you, the God who speaks life into death, who brings light in the midst of darkness, the God who is always with us, and the God who always loves us. For this we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen.